Well, good morning, everyone. I'm uh, Mike Rutledge, the Director of Arts here. You know, I've uh, watched that and had just a couple reactions. Number one, did that look delicious to anyone else or just that looked amazing to me? Uh, yeah, I'm hungry now. And then the other thought was, really, are you supposed to use a razor to cut garlic? I, does anyone else do that? <laughs> Never seen that before. Anyway, um, so, so glad you're uh, here with us today. It's, it's kind of interesting. You see he pulled out the chopsticks to eat the soup, and um, really there's only one soup you'd eat with chopsticks. Pho, right? Have you ever had that? Vietnamese noodle soup's really good. And even that, they serve, you get a spoon with it because chopsticks just don't really work for uh, liquids so great, right? And uh, I, nothing against chopsticks. They're fantastic, used in the right setting, right? Like for chopsticky food, noodles. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I, so, um, but I, it started, made me kind of start thinking about like some of these uh, swing and miss kind of designs and, and uh, things that, that when they're not really meeting a felt need or a specific purpose. So um, since I'm a, a work at a church, I just I have the whole week to just sit around and then I just show up on Sundays and what I do with my spare time is I um, surf the internet. So I was sur surfing the internet and I found some pretty interesting stuff that I think are also not so great in their design. Look at this first one. These are umbrella shoes. Right? Um, now, uh, I think these are just, what a great, I mean, the purpose of this is these shoes are so fantastic. I've got to keep them dry. They're so beautiful that I put these umbrellas on them so that A, no one can see them, and B, now they look stupid. Right? That's a fail. The, the other one, uh, I love these broom shoes. Right? I think that's just, I mean, for the OCD person, I suppose, who just has to, but I, then I started thinking, so what do you do when the dustpan's full? <laughs> you're like, you're too lazy to grab a broom? I don't know. Anyway, this other one's pretty cool, the uh, pocket tie. I believe these were obviously designed for the dude who's wearing yoga pants and has no pockets anywhere else, I guess. Um, and of course, who doesn't need scissors handy at all times? So that's, that, that's, that's pretty helpful. And I love this one, inconspicuous sleep aids. Tired on that trip home after work, just pull out the neck brace. Or the, uh, the, one, the one on the right. I'm going to get on mass transit. I should put on a hard hat with a plunger attached. The girl on the left looks like she's dead, actually. So I, anyway, maybe my favorite, though, is this magnifying glass lighter. I want to have a smoke, but I didn't bring my regular lighter. Good thing I remembered that. Um, I don't know. Those don't seem like they're functioning in, in the way, you know. Anyway, but there are some good ones. I found this is, this is amazing to me, this next one, these uh, drawer stairs. Huh? Because where do your shoes all end up? On the stairs. Now you just open the drawer and push them in. And then uh, th this one's perfect for the, the beach goer. These flip-flop uh, bottle openers. Some of you may have these. Right? Just perfect. I got to get some of those. Anyway, things are great when they... Uh, you know, when their design is clear and when they actually meet a, a specific purpose. But, you know, you've probably had this. You ever had to screw in a screw with a kitchen knife? It doesn't work very well. You usually end up stripping out the knife or uh, you, you have a screwdriver to hammer, so you use the butt end of the screwdriver. 
right? Or uh, you forget your toothbrush, so you use your finger, right? The hygiene just doesn't feel the same. But uh, anyway, everything's designed with a purpose, and, and um, I, I think that we, I know that we as human beings are designed with purpose as well. And uh, I think that we live that way. We either live inside of our purpose with, you know, really, really function, like, yeah, this is it. Or we kind of live going, I don't know if I'm really doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, we're, and, and we're in a series, we're in the sixth week of a series where we're talking about the me that I want to be, where we're looking at God's design in our life. The first week was um, God making us complete through design, and that's through knowing the creator, knowing uh, his design purpose, knowing who he is, and we can't be complete without that. Then the next week, we talked about grace and understanding that we can't work to earn God's love or grace, that that's just a gift that we receive from him. And then the following week, we talked about us. Uh, uh, submitting and just, just uh, you know, submitting to God's plan for our life. We, as long as we're fighting with him and not submitting, we're not going to be complete. Uh, then hardship how, and how difficulties in our life actually help us become who we uh, need to be. That last week you heard Eli talk about uh, training and how we actually have to work hard at developing uh, what God calls us to be. And this week, we're looking at what, what it means to be made complete by calling, and calling is kind of one of those church words, and we're going to talk about that today. But uh, if you're like most people, you, you struggle with this, you know, this desire to be complete in everything you do, right? Maybe you had a job. If you ever, uh, any, anyone, <laughs> I asked this last service and no one raised their hand. I'm like, <laughs> come on. Have you ever had a job where you're like, really? This is what I'm doing, huh? You know? Yeah, you guys are liars too. That's cool. Uh, or, or, or like relationships. Or the reality is that most of you at some point of your, in your life have probably said, really, is this it? Is this, what I'm, is this what my life is? And I think it's important to understand that those are normal questions. I think they're actually God-given questions that speak to the fact that we're designed with purpose and meaning. And when we're not functioning in our purpose and meaning, we feel it yeah, deep down. Um, and I just want you to further understand that the point, uh, the, the outside of knowing God, we will never, ever feel our purpose and completeness until, until we begin to know him. And, and that's what I want to talk about today. And it's, I want to talk about what, what we call God's call in your life and how that works. And it was probably, I don't know, 15 years ago, I read this book by this author, Oz Guinness, and the book was called The Call, and basically he talked about how every single human being, everyone, whether you are uh, just, you, you believe there is no God, or whether you're this full-on Jesus chaser, wherever you are on that spectrum, every single person has a call from God on their life. And I started to think about that, and, and, and uh, I, I took it out a little bit further. Do you, do you, I don't know if you realize this, but even before you have accepted Christ, I don't, maybe you're here today and you have not taken the step to follow Christ, I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit is actually working on you, as well as those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus. So there are two categories, the unbeliever and how does the Holy Spirit work, because this is what I want to talk about. The, our calling becomes uh, made aware to us as we follow the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And as the Spirit works in us, our calling becomes uh, uh, obvious to us. And with the unbeliever, John 16 tells us that uh, the Holy Spirit is at work 
convicting us of sin and of righteousness and of future judgment. So the Holy Spirit speaks to us going, hey, there's stuff in your life and you're separated from me. And he makes us aware of that. And as then, for those of us that have taken that step of saying, I follow you, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life, he continues to convict us of, of, of our sin and, and our righteousness issues, but he goes in more specific and starts to reveal himself. And the call, so here in a nutshell, the call to every human being is to know God. That, it's, that's it. There, there's your call right there. And as we, in obedience, move closer to understanding and knowing God, the specifics of our life become more obvious. And the Holy Spirit continues to work as you're a follower of Jesus in some really, really specific areas of your life. And I started to look through this to figure out, so what does the Holy Spirit do for the believer? So the, the person who doesn't believe, he convicts you of sin and, 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 and uh, your righteousness issues. For the for the believer, those who've made that commitment, he continues to convict us of that. But also, he works uh, to, to bear, he bears witness of our relationship with Jesus Christ. You have this in, inside of you. You understand that you're a follower of Jesus. He transforms us. He indwells us. The Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit liberates us. He uh, creates fellowship for us, inspires scripture, assists us in worship. And here's where I want to hang out a little bit today in this last one, is that he generates unity in the body of Christ. That's where we're going to be hanging out today. And I want to look at just an example. This Ephesians 4.3 says this, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. First thing I want you to understand, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Who creates unity in the church? Who? God. The Holy Spirit creates unity. We don't create unity. We actually do a good job of Wrecking unity, but the Holy Spirit creates unity. Our job is, according to this verse, to keep the unity. And the way he does this is through our calling and the distribution of what are spiritual gifts. All right? And what I want to talk about this morning is helping us understand what spiritual gifts are. Because this doesn't live in the workplace, right? Like, like this is a really a churchy kind of thing that we're going to be talking about today, okay? And so I want us to understand clearly what spiritual gifts are. And the first thing I want you to understand before we even go into, like, more detail. Spiritual gifts, there are three places in God's Word. Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Corinthians 12, which is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time today. Those three places are where we find lists of spiritual gifts, and they're not all the same, incidentally. And I don't necessarily, this is Mike's opinion, okay, that I don't believe that they are completed lists because we find in other places references to spiritual gifts. And there are probably 25 or so different spiritual gifts mentioned in God's Word. And just hold on because I'm going to talk through what spiritual gifts are in just a second. But, but um, understanding that what, what these are are examples of ways that we live in the body of Christ. All right? And I think there are many, many spiritual gifts. And we'll understand some key signatures to realize if this is a spiritual gift or not as, as we go into this a little bit further. Okay? So... Uh, and the, uh, the other thing I want you to understand is spiritual gifts are not simply talents. It's not just skills. Okay? So, there are four things today when it comes to spiritual gifts that I want to talk about. And the first, if you're a note taker, point one is this. The spiritual gifts are gifts. Okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 through 6 says this. 
And there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Point one is gifts are gifts from God. Our spiritual gifts are gifts from God. And I tell you that because it's not just something I go, you know, I'm going to go get a spiritual gift today. You, I, every, you all have them. Every single person who's ma- taken that first step of believing Jesus Christ has a spiritual gift. Probably multiple spiritual gifts. And I would even go as far as to say, I believe that unbelievers probably have dormant spiritual gifts. And once they receive the spirit of God in them by receiving Christ, their gifts come alive. But every single person, so if you're like, and all spiritual gifts are for the pastor and the music director. Nope. Every single believer has a spiritual gift. Okay? It's a gift that's given to us. The second thing about understanding, and then just go a step further. There are, like I said, 25-ish mentioned in the Bible. There are a wide diversity of gifts. And my caution for many of us, I've had this conversation where we, we, you, you can talk to someone and because I have this gift and this person has a different gift, I can think of them as lesser or me as lesser or them as more. It's just what it is, all right? We have different giftings and that's on purpose, all right? So first of all, there are different gifts. Secondly, uh, that they are given to us. Again, you don't go out and get a gift. When you receive Christ, you have it. The word there for spiritual gifts is pretty interesting. Uh, it's the word uh, uh, charismata or charisma. You probably know that word. Charismatic gifts. You may have heard that term before. Basically, when I talked about grace about a month ago, grace, charis, is, is that word that says undeserved. And our spiritual gifts are something that we don't earn or it's just God gives it to us. We don't deserve it, but he gives it to us. And those words, charismata, mean a gift of grace or free gift or the abilities of the Holy Spirit that he gives to us. Okay, so uh, that's the second thing we want to know is that they're a gift, they're different, and uh, he gives them to us. And then who decides what gift I get? And you go back up to verse 4, and it says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. So here's the bummer. You don't get to choose your gift. You have the gift that the Holy Spirit gave you. And in a little bit, we're going to read through this passage in 1 Corinthians where we see that that was a problem in the church. It's probably a problem in a lot of churches that we want gifts that we haven't been given. We want to exercise outside of our own gift and in someone else's gift. So the Holy Spirit distributes them. And not only does the Holy Spirit distribute them, but it's the Holy Spirit that makes them effective in my life. Romans 12, 6 says this, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So the Holy Spirit gives us gifts and then gives us the grace for them to be effective. So why is that important? Because I want you to understand that just because you have a gift, it's not you doing something that's effective. It's you submitting, as we talked about, and allowing the Spirit to work through your gifting that makes it effective. The Holy Spirit does the work, not you. It's really, really important for us to understand that. And because, because if I'm just working hard at something, that's just me working, right? I could take it out in the marketplace and make money with it maybe. Well, that's not a spiritual gift. That's just a talent. So point one, gifts, spiritual gifts are, gift, are a gift. The second point is this. Spiritual gifts are for the benefit of others. Now, 
I was in Hallmark with my wife, as a matter of fact, and I found this. Isn't that awesome? You know what this is? Remember that Indiana Jones scene? It's a hanger. Anyway, um, no. This is really cool. Because what this is, is a selfie extender. Wait. I'm not kidding. Titled Selfie Extender. I mean, seems to have a flaw in its design. Just saying. Anyway, spiritual gifts can be like this, or shouldn't be like this, I should say. A spiritual gift is not for my benefit. A spiritual gift is for the benefit of others. Look at this in verse 5, and then I'll come back to this. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Okay? When you're talking about service, the Greek word there that's used for service is deokonia, which means serving others, ministry to others, something that I'm engaged with for your benefit. Here's what I want us to understand that so many times, and I lived like this for a long time, and I probably still do in many areas of my life, that I treat the giftings that the Holy Spirit has given me like this. I want to come to church, and I want to get something. I'm coming to church to receive. No thought of understanding that what I come to church for, or what I'm part of the body for, is to bring something to someone else. And my spiritual gift becomes like this selfie extender. Not awesome. Here's what I want. I want the third thing is this. And, and here, here's a better example of what a spiritual gift is. So first, they're, spiritual gifts are gifts. Secondly, uh, spiritual gifts are for the benefit of others. Third, that spiritual gifts are to provide unity. Remember I said I want to hang out on this unity piece for a little bit. And here's what I want, want you to understand. That God's plan for our unity, our plan, our plan for unity often evol revolves around me being around like-minded people, me being around people like me. God's plan for unity is by me being around people who are different than me. That's why there's the diversity of gifts. And we need to understand that it's the diversity that makes us who we are. Right? And so I got up this morning and it was like freezing cold outside and my window was completely iced over and so I started scraping it off. I'm like, you know what? This is actually what we're supposed to be like. Because the word, it says uh, in, in 12.7 of 1 Corinthians, it says this. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. So our, first of all, our gift is given to us for everyone. And we can't think like this, my gift is given to me for this. My gift is given to me for this. I can scrape the window off so that people can see. The word manifestation actually means to make clear or make visible for someone. And I receive the manifestation of the Spirit so that they can see, first of all, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit working, but they can also see the path that's lit for them. 
right? If I'm worried about taking my own picture as opposed to clearing the path for others, then my gift is only affecting me, which means it's not a spiritual gift because it's not for the benefit of others. I want to show you this in, in uh, this passage, picking up verse 12. Check this out. And, it's, and anytime you read uh, the Corinthians, first and second Corinthians, you need to understand that it was written to a church like us, pretty jacked up, all kinds of problems, right? Like most churches, because it's made up of people. And he's calling them because they were having some problems around their spiritual giftings and trying to do some things that they weren't supposed to do. So he's trying to bring order to this. Check this out, verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts, all its many parts, form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So, even so, <clears throat> the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they are all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. Okay. God's plan for us being unified is understanding and embracing the fact that we're all different and that we have all received different gifts. And the gifts that we receive are to benefit the common good of everyone. It's kind of like we think, well, if we're really unified, we'd be like a, a guitar that only has one string and no matter where you play it, it just does the same note. Well, that's no good because <laughs> there are a lot of notes. But God says, no, we need to be diversified and then we need to embrace each other and embrace the fact that we're different. The fact that we have different instrumentation comes together, creates a band, right? And the final thing is this. It brings unity and we need to understand that I need you and you need me. And I need you to be different and you need me to be different. If you're not exercising your gifts, make no mistake about it, something's not getting done and it's affecting everyone else. You see this in your house, right? When someone's not doing their chore, what they're responsible for, stuff starts to pile up. 1 Corinthians 12, 25 through 27 says this, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, if you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. I'll tell you this quick story. I, uh, I don't know, five or six years ago, I was playing basketball for our church league and um, I, I'd love to tell you I was doing something amazing, but I actually took a step, is what I did. And when I took a step, it sounded just like that in my ears and I'm on the deck and I'm like, what's, ah! And what happened is I blew out my Achilles tendon, all right? And uh, it was horrible. Yes, thank you for the pity. I appreciate it. It still hurts a little bit. Yeah, anyway, uh, so I, anyway, I'm laying there on the deck. I go and, and I, I go and I, I have to have surgery. And um, 
and then they, I think it's three or four months, they put this cast on me, and then, and then they put another cast on me, and then they put another cast, or some, something like that. It's like a series of casts you have to wear where they kind of move the foot. Anyway, and uh, so it heals, and I take the next season off, and I'm like, well, I think I'm, I'm back to my A game, let's play again. So I join the next, next uh, season, and I'm playing basketball, and this time I, I get the ball, and I'm driving to the basket, and on the deck, other leg. And uh, just so you know, I'm pretty amazing because I went, this is my sports doctor goes, I've ne I do all the time, never seen someone do both. <laughs> so, high level. Uh, <laughs> I tell you that story, I tell you that story because here's what happened. First, you can't walk at all, and then you have these walking boots. And you, you've seen people with the walking boots, they do this like Herman Munster thing or whatever it is. And uh, so what ended up happening, I got the boot on, next thing you know, my knee's hurting. My Achilles is healing. My knee is hurting, and then my hip is hurting, and then my back is hurting, and my Achilles is healing, but it's not doing anything, and the rest of my body is falling apart. Both times that happened. And that is the exact example of us when we're not using our spiritual gifts in the common good of the body. Part is sitting there doing nothing, and the rest of the body is paying for it. The final thing I want you to understand is this, that not only do we need to be utilizing our own gifts for the unity benefit of others in the church, but we also need to be helping others identify their gifts and coming alongside them and then becoming all they can be. One thing you need to understand about this, that your calling, your spiritual gifts, not only affect you, but you can, you, until you are the you you're supposed to be before God, others cannot be the them they're supposed to be. Understand that? That I can't be all I'm supposed to be until you're all you're supposed to be. Check this out. 2 Timothy 1. It says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us the spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. So, I remind you to fan into the flames the spiritual gift God gave you. Step one, if you do not know, you may not know, and you should, don't feel embarrassed about this, you may not know what your spiritual gift is. I'm going to tell you this, if you don't know your spiritual gift, I guarantee you you're not operating in it, right? Because if you don't know what the target is, you will not hit it every time. And there are ways to find out, this, this is a little thing I got like at, at um, this Bible bookstore is like $2. You go in, you fill in these little bubble tests, and it tells you what your gift is, helps you understand what it means, explains it to you. You probably will have multiple gifts, and you can understand how those work together for the benefit of the body. It's really simple. You can go online, just Google spiritual, test, uh, spiritual gift test online. But many of us don't know, and I just want to tell you, you need to know your gift or else other people are hurting because you're not doing your thing. Super important. But the second part he goes on that I really want to spend just a minute talking about is this. He says, don't, don't forget to fan in flames the gift God gave you. I didn't give it to you, but the gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Paul talking to Timothy, this young pastor, and he said, what he's saying here is, Timothy, remember that time when I came alongside you and I physically laid my hands on you and I said, you have the gift of being a pastor and a teacher. Go do it. I come alongside you. I want to support you. That only happens when we're living in unity and community with each other because I need to know you well enough to see what God is doing in your life. 
and call you to action and call you back into action when you're falling out of it. So often we go online in this individualized world and we take our spiritual test and I know it and then it helps me benefit and I do all these great... You, if you haven't done it, go online today, do it. Take a spiritual gifts test and figure out how you can plug in to serve the body of Christ because that's what being a follower of Jesus is about everyone else. Death to self. But we also need to be involved in relationships where people are holding us accountable and we're calling people to action. We're joining each other in helping every single person be who God designed them to be. A beautiful picture of us. Just be, I can just see it in my head. You're supposed to be this. Go do it. And I'm going to help you. What we're going to do is we close out this morning. I just want to invite you. The band's going to come up and we're going to enter into some spiritual or some musical worship. And uh, I just want to ask you something as we close here. When it comes to your giftings in the body of Christ, is this you? Is it about you? Or is this you? Are you the selfie extender? Are you manifesting Christ by making him visible for others? Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the chance to just even to gather together and talk about you and just even talk about how you've called us and your unique plan of, a, of, of making us one is through embracing our differences and embracing uh, how you've gifted us differently so that we can all uh, live in, in, in perfect harmony and honoring each other and loving each other and, and, and appreciating the fact that we're not the same. Pray that your name would be glorified and honored as we strive hard we fan into flame the gift you've given us and we come alongside of each other and call each other to action. We ask this all in your name. Amen.